to. Hey everyone, I'm Mayor Sambal Siddiqui and. And I'm Alana Mellon, Vice Mayor, and this is our podcast, Women Are Here. Hi everyone. It's September. How is it September and almost October? You know, it like the last two days I've woken up and it's been so chilly in the morning. I love, I love fall. It's like my favorite season. I, I please don't at me, but, um, no, I love fall too. You're right. I love apple cider donuts. Well, the, yes. And I love like boots and sweaters and crisp mornings, but like warm afternoons. And I just love fall. I hate winter people. Um, but I do love fall. I don't know why like back to school. It's like the, the start of a new year, more so than like New Year's is for me. Mm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited about fall this year because we're not running. <laughs> it's not an election year. So we yeah. like get to just enjoy uh, our life on the weekends. That's kind of fun. Um, speaking of elections, we had some big elections uh, a couple of weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, it was uh, September... Six, yeah, September six after it was, Labor Day. It was last week. That was last week. Anyway, last week. Yeah, yeah. There, there. We're really excited about our almost all female slate uh, in November, and both of us were at election parties. I was at um, Andrea Campbell's election party with my friend Margot um, at in Quincy, and it was amazing to be there. And it's funny you and I were we were both texting each other um about how things were going that night and yeah it was just it was awesome to see her win um and it was one of those elections where it was kind of uncertain in some respects because of just you know there was changes and a candidate backing out and then a lot of money being infused by the other candidate and so um I think a lot of people had faith including me and you know and you and so yeah really really proud of her yeah, it was so nice to see Andrea uh, on Monday. She stopped by. We were uh, at the Ringe Towers just letting people know that it was primary day the next day. So many people didn't know it was the, you know, the the day after Labor Day, the first day of school. I think people, it was really off their radar. So we um, were just stopping with residents at Ringe Towers and um, Andrea stopped by. It was so nice to see her. She was very, very positive, but I know um, everyone was so worried uh, on Tuesday. So it was just so nice. And they called it really early. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was surprised at how early it got called. And so it must've been great to be there. Um, I wish I had, could have been in two places at the same time, but I was up in Salem uh, at Mayor Driscoll's election night party. And that race got decided a little later. Um, so we had to wait a little bit longer. It was, it's funny when you're at these election night parties, there's, there's not a lot of information. Like when you're at home, you can like be online and be looking at the like city by city mm-hmm. and um you know, my husband was texting me more information than I was getting at the party, which actually was really funny. It was the only information we were getting was like these big screen TVs in this bar were showing the bachelorette because it was like Tuesday night. And then like the bottom, it was like 2% of of precincts reporting. It was just like the bottom part. So like you kind of had to watch the bachelorette Mm -hmm. at this bar. So anyways, my husband was texting me updates on, on all the races and it was just a, it was a really joyous evening. I'm, I'm really excited about the candidates that we have moving forward. Um, I'm really excited about an all-female governor uh, and 
lieutenant governor ticket and then with Andrea Campbell as the attorney general um, Democratic nominee. Like, it's just so, it's really exciting. It's awesome. It's awesome. So um, it's almost like hard to imagine that we have to vote again in November, but um, it is, you know, nothing is for sure. And, you know, the, um, the Republican nominee for governor is just so scary. Oh, nasty. Nasty. So everyone do what you can um, for the next, I guess, six weeks um, to get out there, get that vote out for um, Maura and Kim and Andrea and the rest of the Democratic uh, nominees. Okay. So we had our first meeting back um, on Monday night, which was the agenda was over a thousand pages long. Yep. Which was pretty wild. Um, but, and you know, it lasted until what, 1130? I think I got mm-hmm. home at 1130. Yeah. 1135, something like that. Yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> it was 1137, something like that <laughs> on there. <laughs> um, but we, uh, it was our first uh meeting with our new city manager, Ian Wong, and our new acting deputy city manager, Owen O'Reardon, who was um, stepped in uh, to be acting city manager this summer. And um, I, he and uh, Ian spent most of the summer together <laughs> uh, doing transition stuff and I think really got along well and worked well together. So uh, Owen has now moved into this acting deputy city manager role. And so the two of them were at the table holding down the fort on uh, Monday night. It was really nice to see. Yeah, definitely. And um, we had a few updates. Do you wanna start with the after schools? Yeah, so um, as many of you might know, there um, has been an ongoing um, shortage in our after school slots in our DHSP programs. Um, so, uh, city manager Huang brought up the, you know, the status for school-aged children. He wanted parents and caregivers to know that the city is really working diligently to solve these staffing issues. Um, they're offering competitive wages, retention bonuses, uh, and other after-school, um, so that other after-school spots can open. There's about 400 students on the wait list right now, and that wait list is closed. Um, I think the manager did a good job of really both talking about the issue and talking about how hard it is. And um, I had a few people text me during the meeting to say um, it was really nice to hear someone talking about the effect on working moms that, that this had, because um, I think it's really important to acknowledge that this really is falling on all caregivers, but you know, a lot of working moms are, are reporting that they are stepping off a career path and track right now and taking a step back from their work just to be able to cover this after school. And it's, it's been very difficult. So I know that you and um, DHSP and the manager have been really, really working very hard on this issue. It's just, it's, it's affecting so many people. So I was glad that he brought it up and talked about it. Yeah, it's just been, it's, yeah, it's really, really, um, a huge challenge and really just want to we want to apologize I want to apologize just at how the situation's been but you know we are I think looking at every tool we're still hiring so if you know anyone looking for a job and if you enjoy working with young children middle schoolers teens we you know we are still hiring and these are the part-time positions are between 20 and 24 an hour and there's several full-time positions as well. So 
you should definitely visit um, Cambridge Cam MA dot MA slash DHSP jobs. So we're still hiring. So on that note, lots lots still still trying to um, get the get more kids off the the wait list. Yeah. So. Like I said, we had a, a pretty packed agenda. We're going to try to summarize it pretty quickly. Um, there were a couple of things uh, that are reports back on things that um, bike related things. To one of the first one is um, I don't know about ten years ago. I think the the traffic and parking department when they send out their resident parking permits, they sent out little stickers to put on your driver's side uh, outside window that just reminds you to watch for bikes. Um, there have been some recent doorings in the city uh, and those stickers haven't gone out for a while. So we asked the traffic and parking for the 2023 resident parking st stickers, if in that mailing they could send out an updated sticker that says watch for bikes for people to put on. Uh, I think I've talked about this on many occasions, but um, I, I do the Dutch reach when I get out of my car. Uh, it's not a widely accepted practice. It's not taught in, um, any of the driver's said, but it basically you use your um, right hand to open the door. So it forces you to look over your shoulder and make sure that there aren't any bikes coming. Um, this is sort of to be in place of that until that's a more widely accepted practice. Um, so that watch for those when you get your resident parking sticker. The other thing is um, we had asked the law department to put together um, some language or an ordinance or some purchasing uh, language which would allow us to donate any confiscated or um, uh, bikes that have been tied to signposts for a long time. All of those normally come into the police department and if they aren't cleaned within a year, we auction them off. Um, there are nonprofit agencies that um, give bikes away in the city like Cambridge Bike Give Back that are actually actively looking for bikes to give back out into the community. They've been asking for us to not auction off our bikes, but rather to give them to them um, so that they can give them out to the community. And we're finally seeing um, that the, the solicitor's office and the city manager can put together actually a policy to do that um, so that we can expedite those bikes getting back out to the community. So I was excited to see both of those things, uh, those bike related issues on the city manager's agenda on Monday night. We also had uh, an item about uh, the fact that CRLS students and Cambridge 9 to 12th graders who go to Community Charter School of Cambridge and Prospect Hill Academy can get free M7 cards for this upcoming school year. So this was something that the Family Policy Council uh, and the Cambridge Youth Council worked on this last year. And so we're really happy to see this happening. Yeah, I actually went before school started to get with my kids to get their um, M7 cards and the line was really long. Um, I think we ordered 1100 of the cards and they, they, they went before the last day of, um, of distribution. So we've got some on order, but it really speaks to the popularity of the program and the fact that, you know, this was something that people had really wanted. One of our CYC students, Irene Hill came on, um, Monday night to speak about the issue and, and share some of the stories that they're hearing about, um, you know, students who were like, this has taken a huge financial burden off of my family. Um, now I don't have to think about this. I mean, it's 30, it was previously a student discounted card you were eligible for, and it was $30 a month that you had to reload every, you know, first of the month. For many of our families, that's a huge financial burden. Um, for many of our families that it's, you know, 
for, for us, it was like, gosh, now you have to go to the MBTA station and, and tap your card. It was just kind of a hassle. So um, this has really alleviated uh, a lot of hassle and financial burden, burden off of our families. And now we're extending it out to charter schools too, as well. So I got to give a big shout out to Irene and the Cambridge Youth Council for, for putting this forward. Um, I did see that Somerville announced that they're going to be covering middle schoolers next year. So I'm sure that that's our next, <laughs> our next frontier in this area. And, and Councillor Nolan has put something in, I think, to that effect. Um, speaking of traffic and safety, uh, a longstanding issue in the city is the intersection at uh, Cardinal Medeiros and Binney Street. There's been a ton of accidents and it has been sort of on the city's radar. Um, Councillor Zondervan actually lives on the corner and, you know, every week has stories to tell about near misses and actual crashes. Um, and so he's been asking for the city to address this particular intersection for a while. The city came back with two options. One would be to um, turn Bristol Street into a one way the other way um, to take that conflict out of the intersection. And then the other was to install a four way stop, which there seems to be some concern by the traffic department that there could be a lot of rear endings, um, four way stops, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why there seems to be some rear-ending issue, but um, there, I think there was sort of a strong consensus on the council that a four-way stop was probably better for this intersection, but they are going to have um, some more thought uh, and community meetings with the impacted area. So I'm glad to see something's happening um, for this particular intersection because I know that it's been bad. Yeah, finally. I mean, I think it's been a concern for a long time and it is, it's just a horrible Especially, I hate the Cambridge Street. Oh, like, yeah. it's just I, the number of times because I, you know, we, my mom goes to, my mom works at the Star Market over there and obviously grew up driving or walking. And it's just the near misses. <laughs> I, will, I have so many memories. Well, it's also, you know, it's like one of the crosswalks that's closest to um, the, the Kennedy Longfellow School and yep. the King Open School. And th there's like some crazy behavior there. And even having a crossing guard there, it, I've heard of some serious near misses with pedestrians. Sure. You're like trying to navigate a whole bunch of inputs. Um, and then you're like going across the crosswalk and you realize that there's somebody in it. So I, yeah. it does, I know that there are plans to, um, redo that intersection once they do the Grand Junction pathway, which is a little bit further east yeah. on Cambridge Street. But like, yeah, that whole area is just kind of a disaster. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we talked about, which was a big lively discussion, was the linkage fee increase that the council is considering right now. So for those of you who don't know, um, a linkage fee is an impact fee charged on commercial buildings that are built over 30,000 square feet at the time that they're built. That rate, the, that actual fee rate is set by doing a nexus study and the funding that's received goes into the affordable housing trust for the creation of affordable housing. And currently this fee is $20.10 per square foot. And that fee is charged once you hit 30,000 square feet for the entirety of the square footage. So many builders stay just under it to avoid the fee. So like we've seen buildings that go up that are 29,785 square feet and they pay $0. There is a proposal um, to increase this fee to the maximum rate that was cited in the last study in 2019, the last Nexus study of 
34 cents per square foot. So like a 60% increase uh, over the, the previous $20.10. Councillor Azim suggested an amendment in the last ordinance meeting that would be more of a marginal fee, like our income taxes, um, that buildings over 30,000 square feet would only pay a linkage fee on any square feet over the 30,000 square feet. Uh, Councillor Zondervan has argued that that's leaving money on the table for affordable housing, which is desperately needed, and has proposed that instead, less than 30,000 square feet would pay the current rate of 2010, and a project over 30,000 square feet would pay the $33.34. So I know that's like a lot of <laughs> a lot of numbers, but basically um, trying to make sure that we don't lose, um, we don't leave any money on the table was the, the argument. So it's a tough conversation because we are, Cambridge is considering raising our linkage fee in one year over 60%. We normally it goes up like a dollar a year. And in comparison, Boston's linkage fee right now is around $15 a square foot and Somerville's is like $5 a square foot. So there's a concern um, that too high of a linkage fee will stall commercial development. Although I will say we've not yet to see that happen. And folks have been worried about this for a long time. You know, We went from $4 a square foot a while back to $12 a square foot. And we haven't seen uh, a slowdown in commercial building. I think we can all agree on that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, so as a result of the conversation, you know, you and I had kind of talked about this um, prior to the meeting, but just to really get what the understand from our community development department, uh, the impacts of some of the amendments and to do some financial impact modeling, get some projections on how could how could this affect the affordable housing trust. So I think I'm looking forward to having just some real data um, and numbers in a few weeks to to weigh whether either consideration makes sense or we vote up or down the um, the the fee increase. There's some also question around some legal issues of can we even kind of make this change without refiling. So it, it's been an interesting um, discussion, but it also um, ties into kind of, there's been some good thoughts um, and you, you've, you've made, you've, you mentioned them uh, that night just around the next Nexus study and what we wanna see. And so I think we have to move on that quickly too. So more to come on that. More to come. Um, exciting, exciting Lincoln Street talks. Um, another item that was on the ex uh, agenda on Monday night was a policy order asking for another extension of the cannabis moratorium. Um, this moratorium is currently in place and has been in place for five years, three, three years. Um, three. This moratorium um, if it's extended again, would continue to prevent uh, registered marijuana dispensaries from converting to adult use for another two years. The current moratorium runs out this month. I think that is it the 23rd? Yeah. And um, several of the uh, economic empowerment and social equity applicant stores are not quite ready to open and they need a little bit more time. Um, you know, I think what we're doing here in Cambridge is really um, showing the rest of the state how to lead on um, making sure that, you know, communities of, of color and communities that have been negatively impacted on the war on drugs actually have a leg up in opening um, cannabis locations and entering this, this new lucrative market. So um, this would be an extension again, to allow for, um, for those, those retail locations to open and with adult use and 
gain that you know, competitive market share and, and gain customers before the RMDs, all they have to do is like flip a switch as soon as, you know, there's moratoriums over and they can start selling adult use. Um, Councillor Toner exercised his charter right on this. Um, that means we just automatically move it into the next meeting and no discussion can take place. As he had some questions for the law department to answer, particularly I think if this action might open us up for a legal challenge, since this would be uh, the second extension so we will have to wait until Monday to get some of these answers before we vote. I mean, I some of you may remember that there was a, a very long and contentious um, fight um, between uh, one of our registered marijuana dispensaries and the city of Cambridge about whether or not it was even legal to do this in the first place. So I think there is some concern that, you know, moving this forward could open us up to a legal challenge. So we're just getting a, an opinion from the law department. We will hear more about that on Monday. And we were, I mean, we were sued and we won. So <laughs> I was trying not to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think, you know, when we did, comp we did this in 2019, I think we couldn't have anticipated COVID, right? And I think right. um, the, then when we, it did open, I think the concern then was this is going to open us to a lawsuit and it did, but I think we, and I think if this does pass, it could again, but um you know, I think it's all, you know, goes back to kind of why, uh, what the rationale is. And I think for me personally, as a co-sponsor of extending it, I think there's a good rationale, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, we also know that water has been on everyone's mind. Uh, we will have, through Councillor Nolan's Health and Environmental Committee, hold a hearing to talk about our water supply and PFAS and um there's more to come on that, but rest assured, you know, we're, we're getting ready. The water department's getting ready for that meeting. Yeah. So, you know, this has been a conversation in the community. I know I've received a lot of emails and um, phone calls and frantic texts from people who saw in the Boston globe that we were switching our water from our, our local water supply at Fresh Pond um, to MWRA, which is a, a state's water supply because we had PFAS and our, the, the detected levels of PFAS was um, nearing a dangerous uh, point. I, um, I'm glad that Councillor Nolan is having this conversation and holding this hearing, because I think for a long time, people have been wondering, should we, should we permanently um, go to MWRA water and pay for it? It's about $2 million a month. Um, but, you know, before the PFAS conversation, there was the chloride conversation and, you know, we live in an urban environment and, uh, you know, our water has a higher level of road salt in it from the winter and, um, you know, MWRA water comes from the western part of the state and Quabbin Reservoir and other reservoirs that, you know, have a different um, composition. So, you know, I know that uh, lots of our coffee shops, for example, um, they're, they're big, huge espresso machines, you know, they can't get them insured because Cambridge water is too hard on them. Um, so it is a conversation that I think the business community, uh, the housing community um, has been wanting to have um, and the residents. So uh, I'm glad we're finally having it. It's unfortunate that this is why we're having it, but we are going to be having MWRA water until the end of this year when we can replace our filters. Um, those are uh, on order and are taking a little bit longer to get here. So so yeah, it was those two factors. It was the increasing PFAS levels and the supply chain delays for the filter that led to the, the switch. 
Yeah. So um, more on that, I'm hoping actually, did I see that that got scheduled yesterday? Yes. I think it's October 12th. Okay, great. So we'll have more on that later and um, people can attend or watch it later. Um, the other thing, so I think that was pretty much the agenda, the highlights of the agenda um, on Monday night, even though it was a six hour meeting that we just wrapped it up for you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. We also had a housing committee meeting uh, on Tuesday night, which was the topic was ending single family only zoning and allowing multifamily housing to be built citywide. This is a conversation that's been going on in the city for two years. Um, I think, you know, we've been seeing across the country that places like Minneapolis and others have been eliminating their single family only zoning uh, in the city and um, trying to increase uh, multifamily housing, increase and encourage multifamily housing in all parts of the city. For a couple of reasons, one, housing affordability, and also two, um, ending the you know racist. Um, what's the what's the right thing I'm trying to say? Um, roots, exclusionary zoning. Exclusionary zoning. The the roots of zoning is exclusionary, and we're trying to really look at that um, and create more equity across the city and where people can live. So. Um, like I said, this has been a, a conversation. We had the conversation in ordinance through um, a, a zoning petition that was put forward called the missing middle. Um, <clears throat> that petition, unfortunately, did not move forward, but it started a conversation at the planning board where they've had a couple conversations about, you know, what does it mean to end exclusionary zoning and allow multifamily housing? And they've kind of kicked it back to the city council to put together, you know, what do we want to see here? What does it look like? Um, and how should CDD be thinking about updating the zoning? So it was a good conversation actually, and um, CDD left with some uh, really concrete next steps. And I look forward to the next housing committee meeting where we actually talk about like what actual zoning would look like, um, because I think I'd like to be the council that actually finishes working on this. Yeah, I um, I had it was a, I couldn't make it, but I'm going to go back and watch it because uh, I heard it was. Um, good. We also, we had a few things last night. Uh, we had the family policy council meeting, and then I had to go in between to a community development forum that was put together um, through my office and, and CDD around Buto. And for those wondering what Buto is, Buto stands for Building Energy Use Disclosure Ordinance. And Last night was about sharing and gathering input from the community regarding Buto and to kind of provide more clear and concrete uh, information and a picture of the current draft changes that are being proposed. The council hasn't voted any of these amendments um, in the, the ordinance has not been voted on. It's been the, in the ordinance committee and it's been the health and environment committee for the last um, term and last night was an opportunity to kind of explain the impacts of Buto, go over some next steps, hear from feed, hear from hear feedback from residents. There's a lot of good feedback from condo owners who were, you know, feel like ever since the city started talking about Buto, like they have not been included. Um, and there were some good suggestions and considerations around excluding residential. When you think about you know, what, you know, building emissions look like. Buildings in Cambridge generate over 80% of Cambridge's total greenhouse gas emissions. And so that's 83% um, 
and then the rest is transportation and waste. And there's, uh, you know, there's this, there's a lot of work that's been put in to think about how we reduce the emission of green gas houses, uh, green gas gases. And this ordinance requires owners to annually measure and disclose usage. And it's been on the books for a long time before you and I were on council. Um, and there was disclosure piece. What? The disclosure part of it. The disclosure part of it. Not the, there's not, there's not been a reduction piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the first time the city the last few years has been discussing, okay, well, what would it act look like to actually, um, you know, reduce and because energy performance just has not improved significantly over time. Um, and so anyway, there's a lot more information. I'm, I'm giving you a lot of, I'm not giving the, our listeners the full picture, but I'll be sharing more information about this and I'm sure we will have more opportunities to kind of keep answering questions. The drafts, the amendments have changed um, a good amount um, from where they were in when they were first introduced based on feedback from the universities, from the business community. I think, obviously, I think they have more feedback to give. Um, and so I think we're trying to figure out what how to fit in, fit it into the draft that um, makes it something that still can have an impact. Um, so anyway, more to come on that. Yeah, I think the one thing that I keep reminding people is that CDD worked with a, you know, a, a committee of people to put together an original draft that would reduce emissions, building emissions to zero by 2050. Councillor Zondervan and Councillor Nolan put forward a more aggressive timeline, which would reduce emissions by 2035 to zero, um, unless there, you know, unless you bought alternative carbon credits uh, or paid into a fund. So I think that's really, it's not that there's either these amendments or we don't reduce emissions. It's really around the timeline and how aggressive um, every compliance period is going to be. And I think that that's kind of the sticking point right now. I think you mentioned residential condo owners, you know, they also have a really good point that yes, people have been talking about this <laughs> for a little while, but a lot of those condo owners didn't know anything about this until the summer. And they are asking to be excluded um, from the um, requirements. I think I said at the last meeting that they could be, if we are moving forward with a more aggressive timeline on um, commercial buildings, we could have a different timeline for residential buildings. I mean, the, the, the reality is we are all seeing the effects of climate change happen much more quickly than any of the modeling had suggested. So 2050, is um, a year <laughs> right? <laughs> that we might need to think about moving a lot of our goals up in response to the, the modeling just exactly. being off. So um, I'm glad that we're, I'm glad that you guys are holding these conversations and that they're, they're ongoing. Um, but really the sticking point seems to be sort of not whether or not we should reduce building emissions, but when and how fast and, and who should be um, targeted first. So um, those that's, that's going on. Are there other community focus groups or 
What's the next I, step there? I think right now, no, nothing's planned right now. I think um, the team is going to take back some of the feedback from last night um, and see what I think what should be incorporated and go from there. But I'll be working on this um, a little bit and figuring out some of the next steps. Great. Okay. Well, so on the update side of our podcast, <laughs> we've got um, a couple of really fun things to talk about. Um, one of the things that's coming up is a four-week four week paid opportunity um, called the Construction and Building Trades Program um, put on by the MIT Job Connector. It's a paid opportunity at $25 an hour that provides participants with industry-based technical and career readiness skills, including information about pre-apprenticeship programs in the building trades, construction management, real estate development, and more. Um, those applications are due by 5 p.m. on September 23rd. Uh, I, this was something that I worked on um, last year with MIT. Uh, to put together this class. And uh, this is the second class. The first class was so amazing. Um, we had, uh, I think, 18 participants. It was capped at 18 people. Um, they were able to, to meet and, and talk to folks in the building construction trades and real estate development um, and construction management and able to access either pre-apprenticeship jobs um, or actually jobs right after. So um, if you're interested or you know somebody that's interested, it's a great program. It is capped, I think, at 18 people. So get those applications in quickly. Like I said, they're due by 5 p.m. on September 23rd. Speaking of MIT, if you're looking for something to do tonight, join MIT Open Space at 292 Main Street for a fun-filled night of food by the pull-up truck, drinks by Lord Hobo, uh, there's going to be music. There's going to be craft making. I'll try to stop by. Do you know where 292 Ma Main Street is? I have no idea. Okay. So it's like right at the intersection of Broadway and Main Street where MIT has been doing like all that construction. There's a huge open space now. I've been seeing stuff oh, yes. on Twitter and it looks beautiful. It looked like they were playing um, some film festival uh, movies the other night and people were outside enjoying it they're really it looks like Kendall like Kendall and MIT are really using this open space to do some cool stuff um, one of the things that there I saw was um, the Cambridge Science Week they're going to be re like recreating the uh, Aurora Borealis that's the northern lights so um, you know not something that we can see here but they're they're creating it um, in that space so I'm really looking forward to that so um, what time is that five to nine I think five to nine so, um, yeah, maybe I'll go with you at the beginning. I have plans tonight, but I want to check out that open okay, space. Cool. And I love the pull-up. Oh, so good. So good. So, all right. So that's tonight. And then tomorrow is everyone's favorite document shredding day. Uh, the Cambridge Consumers Council is helping residents to safely dispose of their unwanted records uh, at a free document shredding event tomorrow, September 17th from 9.30 to 1 p.m. It's going to be right in front of the Cambridge Senior Center uh, across the street from uh, City Hall. So this event is for Cambridge residents only. It will be held rain or shine, but I do think tomorrow is going to be shine. Yes, 72 and sunny, my favorite, favorite weather. Great. And tomorrow we have Danny Park Family Fun Day. So lots of rides, arts, crafts. It's going to, a lot of performances. Starts at 11. Shuttle buses will be running throughout Cambridge to provide transportation. 
It's going to be lit as the kids say. Actually, I don't think they say that anymore. I'm very oh, behind. Alana. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So anyway, I'll be there, uh, walking around. Uh, I'm not doing anything. Like I think Mark one year was like, dunk the mayor. I'm like, I'm all right. Ooh. I, don't need to get, I don't need to get dunked. <laughs> it's Ooh. been a tough few years. <laughs> <laughs> um, also this weekend, another fun event that's happening is on Sunday. It's the dance complex 30th anniversary. Um, and they are celebrating with dance happens here on Sunday, September 18th. It's a free day long street party. Well, from two to nine outside, um, of its home in central square. So they'll be close to traffic for music, movement, food, culture, and businesses to all come together. It's going to be completely free and have dance lessons by dance complex teaching artists uh, from samba to swing flash performance by area dance troops music from a rooftop dj and food trucks um, for people who uh, want to go and stop by so definitely check it out the dance complex is one of my favorite favorite places in central square and this is a super fun event um, I've, I've got i've gone to the previous one and i can i can assure you it was totally fun I will be speaking at it at some point that night. So oh, will you see you all? Will you be dancing? I'll dance. I'd love to dance. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so upcoming next week, really quickly, um, I'm hosting a Zoom uh, that's about the one, uh, not 198, 988 number. Uh, it's um, in collaboration with a uh, mental health therapist. And so that's all about what is 9988 and you're going to have to tune in to figure out what that is folks so but but it is in all seriousness a suicide and crisis lifeline and um it's formal it was formerly known as the national suicide prevention lifeline and now it's uh, 988 suicide and crisis lifeline it's 24 7 and so we really want to make sure that people in the community know um about this resource and um, just talk about it. So that's happening. And then there's a few other meetings about bike lanes. Alana? Yes. So on Tuesday, September 20th, from 6 to 8 p.m., there's going to be the fourth community meeting to talk about the Garden Street bike lane plan um, to discuss safety improvements uh, from Garden Street, from Huron to Mason Street. So this meeting will be discussing option three, which was selected as the preferred layout for the corridor. Option three converts Garden Street to a one-way eastbound toward Cambridge Common for vehicles between Huron and Concord Avenue. Bikes will be able to still travel in both directions with a separated line bike lane on each side of the street. So um, that meeting will be held on Zoom and you can check the calendar for the city's website for a link. And then on Thursday, September 22nd from five to seven on the same topic, a community open house will take place on the brick sidewalk at the intersection of Garden Street and Concord Avenue near Fallen Street. So the city will have boards and key project information as well as role um, plan of the street showing the full extent of the preferred layout. So um, if you are interested in that topic, there are two uh, meetings next week, one on Zoom and one in person. Yeah, and I wanna just thank everyone who came to the community fairs the last in August 26th and September 10th um, for with the schools, there are a lot of backpacks given, a lot of supplies given. So <clears throat> it's been a busy, it's been a busy um, few weeks already and a lot more to come. So let us know if you need any information 
and we're happy to provide it. All right. Well, I think that's it for us this Friday, September 16th. We hope to see you at some of the events we mentioned this weekend. If you have questions about anything that we've talked about, please feel free to uh, reach out. You can tweet at us for things you want us to talk about on this podcast. I'm at A-M-M-A-L-L-O-N. And I'm at Mayor Siddiqui. All right, everybody. I hope you have a great weekend and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay.